be back. Get away from her, you bitch! We all go a little mad sometimes. Welcome back to Sequel Harder, where we discuss great movies and their awful sequels. I am Ed Harley, Harley Davidson, and joining me is my proctologist, Dr. Rosenpenis. Hello. Oh, yes. Just uh, in case you're listening to us for the first time, my name is Dave, and this is my partner, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) You caught me off guard because he usually will use our names, but I was like, what is he talking about? (laughs) And in case you don't understand those references, we're talking about the Fletch movies today uh, because very recently a third Fletch movie came out called Confess Fletch, and uh, we all watched it. So what is your history with the Fletch movies? I've known about them for a long time. And in fact, I, I worked with a guy who was like obsessed with them. They're like his like favorite <laughs> movies. Yeah. And he was constantly like referencing them. And it's and I, I don't know if I've ever told him that I had never seen them. I think I, it was one of those where you're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> right, right. So, like, so I'd always kind of known. And, and my big thing was I don't think I ever purposely saw it just because I'm not a big, we've talked about this before, I'm not a big Chevy Chase fan. So I just was sort of like, why do I want to watch this? But it's like, I mean, in watching it, it was it was actually a lot more enjoyable than I thought. Okay, that's interesting. So these were definitely one of the, the first two movies were de- definitely, you know, in college, my friends and I were quoting them all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a quotable movie, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about Chevy Chase's drug problems. Apparently, Fletch was his first movie back after kind of getting through that. Yeah, these were these are part of the basis for my sense of humor. I think for a lot of it, and we yeah. knew the second one wasn't as good as the first one, but it has its moments. It's actually it's it's again it's one of those movies. It's it, the second one is sort of the Godfather three, right. where it's like when you go I, back and you watch it, you're like three. <laughs> okay, well, still, but it's like you go back and you watch it, you're like, okay, it's not as bad as it like as people make it out to be. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And I went to see Confess Fletch in the theaters a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it had only been out a week or two. And I knew it wasn't doing that well in the theaters, although the numbers are very interesting. And I saw it, I think it was in the (coughs) middle of the day on a matinee on a Sunday or something. And there was one other person in the theater. It was like an older, older guy. And he was cracking up. I was cracking up. I was cracking up watching it again today. Uh, so I thought, okay, this is actually working for me. This is pretty good. Yeah. So we had, uh, before we started rolling, we had talked about, sort of talked about the differences in the movies. So let's kind of, I think let's do a nice overview of the three movies here. The first two movies, of course, Chevy Chase as Fletch and he's in the first movie and you texted me the other night saying that he's actually really good and really funny and, and, and acting really. And like, yeah, like, it's, I, mean, like I said, I, I, what I told you is I, it's, it's the most likable I've seen. Like the, like. In every movie, we talk about this too with Bill Murray, where it's like Chevy Chase is always just an asshole. But in this, in this, it's like he's sort of more he's he's sort of more of an enjoyable, sarcastic ass rather than just an asshole. Right, you're on his side. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You can see emotions on his face, like he's actually acting in the movie. Because because even with the even with the vacation movies, you're just he's such like the the Clark Griswold is just such an arrogant asshole. That like, and he's constantly trying to pretend like he knows everything, even though he's always wrong. 
Yeah, and it's like that. You're just you just sort of like the perfect put your head down in shame, and you're just like, oh, what an idiot. But it's <laughs> like with this, it's like the way he bullshits things. You're like, oh, that's actually clever. Like mm-hmm. he's he, like he's pretending to know it, but even though he doesn't, but it's like he's really good at passing it off like he does. Whereas like Clark's just terrible at, at passing shit off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Clark's just an idiot. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I had actually read one of the Fletch books long after the movies came out. How, how many are there? Oh, there's like seven or eight, something like oh, that. Oh, really? Okay. Well. Yeah, there's a bunch, which is funny because that's one of the things about the second movie, why I think it fails, is that there's a lot of material to draw from, and they just decided to make their own original story. That is, as soon as I saw in the credits, the opening credits, it was like, uh, you know, story, or it was like characters based upon, I was like, oh, this is not going to yeah. be good. <laughs> Whereas Confess Fletch is, I think, the second book in the series, and the, the first movie is based on the first book in the series. Oh, that's kind of cool. Do, do, yeah. Now, refresh my memory. In the third one, with the, the John Hamm one, do, do they do anything to sort of reference the first two movies? I mean, so that's, is, I, okay, I, so I that's, didn't get this. Is that, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, that's, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up too, is that is it a reboot or a sequel, right? Because the editor that he talks to at the Boston paper, who used to be his editor in LA, it's not the same name. His name is Frank. And in the first two movies, it's, it's Walker or something. Yeah. So I don't know, even know if that's supposed to be the same character. The Larry character is different, right? So in the first movie, Larry's played by Gina Davis, and she's like his confidant and helper at the newspaper. And then in the third movie, the Larry is the receptionist at the Boston paper. Oh, so okay. Yeah, yeah, they f- yeah. I feel like they've changed enough that it could be seen as a complete reboot. Yeah, and it's. I feel like they – well, it's, it's probably hard that the movie – I mean, we're coming up on close to 30 years removed from the original, and it's not the same actor. Yeah. So it's like, it, it, they probably didn't want to do a straight reboot, but it was like, let's just, let's not confuse people that have never seen the original. Yeah. And as you were saying before, the John Hamm take on Fletch is so much different than the Chevy Chase take. All right. From the first movie, I think it's, I think it's a, a beautiful mix where he's, he's a little bit silly, but he's a lot clever and, you know, he was allowed to ad lib and improv a little bit or probably quite a bit, but you know, it's all in service of the story. I feel like in the second movie and you were saying that <laughs> you felt like all of the move budget of that movie went to his, his salary. Yeah. Well, the weird thing. Well, I mean, we'll get to the budgets, but it's like, it was the exact same budget. And yeah. I was like, well, usually there's an actor bump, which, which it may usually will increase the budget to compensate right. for that. They didn't do that this time. And, and I don't know if they, if, since they didn't use any material from the books for the second movie, do they not, not have to pay any more to the author? I don't know how that works either. They pr- probably still for the character rights. It's like rights. You, just to cover your ass in case there's anything that's like similar to something that's one in one of the books. They probably yeah. just had to do it anyway. So, but yeah, in the second movie, it's just like, okay, this is, it's kind of like a Jim Carrey thing. Just let Chevy Chase do his thing and get yeah. around, you know, whereas yep. John Hamm in the third, and I've heard, I haven't, I, like I said, I read one of the books, but it's been a long time ago and it wasn't any of the stuff that the movies are based on. I, I saw in a review that the John Hamm version is more like the book than Chevy Chase version. It, it, okay. That, that actually, and that might be where the disconnect for me is, yeah. is that me, cause I mean, I, cause John Hamm was the one that kind of got the ball, ball rolling on this one. Isn't he? He's like, wasn't he one of like, uh, the people that kind of wanted, wanted to get it made. And so the, the version I saw was that after this, well, in the, in the mid nineties, so I guess Fletch two came out in the early nineties. And then later in the later nineties, once Kevin Smith became a, a thing, he wanted to make a sequel to that one with Chevy chase. Oh, weird. Huh. And then when they couldn't agree on what story to tell or how to tell it, he wanted to go to one of the books. Cause some of the books are prequels to the first 
movie. Oh, weird, huh? And so he wanted to do one of the stories where Fletch is, it's like his first job at a newspaper or whatever as he's a young kid. And so he was going to put like Jason Lee or Ben Affleck in there and then just have Chevy Chase do like a flashback forward, you know, narration something, right? Well, that was the other weird thing is that there's narration in the first two movies and there's yeah. none or if very little no, in the third one. There's none. And then I, 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 since it's been a long time since I watched the first movies, you know, I watched Confess Fletch in the theaters and I was like, okay, cool. And then I went back and watched Fletch. I'm like, oh shit, this thing is just wall to wall narration. I yeah. totally forgot about that. And then I was reading in the trivia that they added that in post. That wasn't intended from the beginning. And I think Probably, it kind I mean, of, it's, like, it, cause it kind of, the story is a little bit convoluted. Wow. Well, okay. So that's the other thing. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get back to the story. Let's put a pin in that. But yeah. so Kevin Smith wanted to do it and then he, he tried to do it for a couple of years and then he bowed out and then it went through a string of other directors for years, right? And just until the last couple of years when when Matola got a hold of it and and put John Hamm. So I don't know how much influence John Hamm had on I think you're right though. I think he 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 was pushing for this pretty hard. And he is he is listed as an executive producer. I think I did read somewhere that he yeah he was the one that was like loves the series, wanted to get it made and was trying to get it to happen. And that makes sense. I mean and like I said, maybe he's a fan of the books and he wanted to do an adaptation that's more closer to the books than, than like the Chevy Chase role. Yeah. Yeah. So the story. Which if that's the case, it's like, well, fine, whatever. It's like, uh, you know, I'm not, yeah. it's just for, it's just weird for us as like fans watching it to be like, you know, <laughs> to, to, to be like, okay, wait, this guy is nothing like the previous Fletch. <laughs> yeah. Even the, but the, my, my, the main problem is the, the, even the whole world is, I mean, let's just dive into the first movie. So let me right, at least explain the plot. Yeah. Okay. So Fletch came out in 1985, directed by Michael Ritchie, who also directed the Bad News Bears, Wildcats, and the Golden Child. But yeah, that all eight, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Eight million. And you looked up some of these numbers. So are you aware of what, what it made? No, I'm not, I'm not aware of the box office. I just okay. saw the budget. So they purposely only looked up the budgets. All right. Uh, box office, I'm going to say it was an 8 million. I'm going to say probably low, but enough to get it made. Maybe 28 million. Uh, not bad. 50 million. Oh, wow. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. I'm pretty good. <laughs> no, no wonder they rushed to make in a second. So IMDB says Erwin M. Fletch Fletcher is a newspaper reporter being offered a large sum to off a cancerous millionaire, but is on the run, risking his job and finding clues when it's clear the man is healthy. Of course, Fletch is Chevy Chase. The not sick millionaire is Alan Stanwyck, played by Tim Matheson. His wife, Gail Stanwyck, is played by Dana Wheeler Nicholson. And uh, the the editor, Walker, is played by Richard Libertini, and he's always fun. George Went is in this as Fat Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, mentioned Gina Davis as Larry. So, yeah, so Fletch... It, the movie starts out with he is so he's not he's a reporter he's undercover on the beach in like Ventura or L.A. somewhere and there's a drug trade going on he's trying to suss out what's going on and he's made friend with Fat Sam and Gummy, Gummy yeah yeah who both end up being part of the drug trade <laughs> but it's being run by the cops specifically Joe Don Baker this and this is funny because uh, Alan Stanwyck picks Fletch because he sees him at the beach and thinks he's just some homeless guy. And it turns out he picks him because he's the same build as as Stanwyck. Which he's not. None at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, it's because Chevy Chase is like 6'4", and this other guy is like 5'9", like 5'10". Like. And isn't it funny how both this and the third movie, the plot revolves around him being the same build as somebody else, as the bad and, guy? And then in, even in the third movie, the guy looks is nothing like... Right. Don Ham's well, yeah, size. Exactly. Yeah. Kyle McLaughlin. 
Yeah, it's yeah. So Fletch kind of lets the drug story go by the wayside while he investigates the Stanwick thing, ends up meeting the wife and finds out Stanwick has got a secret family in Utah because he's Mormon and um, is actually part of the drug thing because he's run. He's using his private plane to fly drugs from, you know, Mexico or someplace into the country. And his plan was to kill Fletch, burn the body, fake his death. And then leave with the money and take his secret wife and kid to somewhere else, Buenos Aires or wherever else these people always go. Yeah, it was it was in Brazil because I think they go to. Oh, it was in Brazil. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and so we were saying these stories are, at least in the first two, they're just kind of hey, let's put enough story in here to get Fletch to get you know move to the next thing and do the next fun scene. It's yeah, it's basically just a series of vignettes of like. It's, you know, oh, here, let's put Fletch in this costume, pretending to be this character, like in this sort of scenario. And here's his objective. He has to get, you know, it's like he dresses up as a doctor and he's got to, you know, pretend to be a doctor and get the, the medical reports and, and oh, now, now he's like, now he's an airplane mechanic. mechanic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is funny because he, he, he seemed more knowledgeable as a doctor than he did an airplane mechanic. (laughs) Talking about melanomas, carcinomas, and yeah, like one of looking nomas. over medical reports and understanding them, but then it's like he understands nothing about like mechanical. Yeah, there are a series of vignettes, which I actually, I mean, I, I love movies like that. We've talked about this before. I'm, I'm, I'm totally in if there's no plot, but the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Scene is a, is a I mean, awesome. th- okay, this movie is essentially just. Granted, it's based on a book, but it's like it's just a clone of Beverly Hills Cop, pretty much. It's even down to like the club scenes and like like the you know the uh, the like the you know, tennis club scenes and all that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and putting stuff on other people's tabs and yep, yeah. Yep. And he's just always a smart mouth and the co- he's always trying to evade the police. Right. He gets arrested in all three movies. Yep. Then, then there's the whole like uh lawyer thing His like ex-wife's lawyer. Oh yeah. <laughs> that guy, which, which it's a good gag, but it was like, I, I feel like the, the payoff on it was kind of stupid in the second one. Yeah. And cause he's a terrible lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> If you sign over this this mansion to us, you'll never see me again. And Fletch is like, okay. Well, apparently, I mean, they are basically alluding to like Fletch's ex wife is now with that lawyer. Yeah. So yeah. So, it's and so just but him. the lawyer did no due diligence to try and find out anything about the. the mansion. Exactly. Yeah, it was just dumb. Yeah. That movie suffers on many levels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in this scene, I think it was in the scene with the lawyer. After the lawyer leaves, he you know he's got this little uh, basketball hoop set up in his apartment and he just picks up the ball and does a no look over the head toss behind the head and gets it in. I'm like, I wonder how many takes that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, especially cause he yeah, grabs the beer can, picks it up with his foot and then just sort of like throws yeah. it behind his head. Yeah. And so that's the other, the other big theme about this is that Fletch is a huge Lakers fan. You know, in the first movie, he's always wearing a Lakers t-shirt and the third movie, he's got the Lakers hat on. It's his lucky hat. And that becomes a plot point. Yep. Although I do, I do appreciate in the first movie when he's in the, what is it? The mayor's office or something. And he gets thrown against the wall and, and he, and he looks at the picture of oh, uh, yeah. baseball legend, Tommy Lasorda. He right. goes, hey, you and Tommy Lasorda. <sighs> I hate Tommy Lasorda. As, as a San Francisco Giants fan, I appreciated that. So. <laughs> Whereas I'm like timeless sorta. Of. What's he? Yeah. He, what's what's his deal? Yeah. I know. What team is he on? I mean, he's, he's just Dodgers, famous. Right? Yeah. He's just famous for like for being like he's yeah a Dodger. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out that Alan and well we we already kind of covered it. Alan and the chief are are the police chief are in cahoots and Fletch figures this out. In the meantime, he goes to the tennis club and he meets with the wife and she doesn't know anything what's going on and of course he flirts with her. I always found her to be really 
cute and attractive. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I love when well, the, the the one good joke is when she finds she finds the picture of her husband's like real first wife or whatever that he's currently married to. Yeah, and she she shows it to Flash and she goes, she looks like a hooker. Look at her. Look at her. Could you love someone who looked like that? What are you talking about? Of course not. Five, ten minutes tops, maybe. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and even she, even she's like, okay, that was clever. <laughs> I was um, so when he meets her, she's she's out on the tennis court trying to trying to hit balls out of a machine, and she's just completely biffing everything. I know that was that was such a really odd scene because it like. They're kind of setting her up to be kind of like a rich, snobby bitch, but then like she wasn't at all. Yeah, she's just a naive, yeah, not very yeah, good yeah. at tennis. And uh, Melissa and I went and took a pickleball class this weekend. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, what pickleball is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were at this, and of course, pickleball. I think is a it's becoming a really popular sport, especially with older people because it's not as physically challenging as some other sports. And so, like, we were cl- clearly. Not the youngest, but among the youngest people. In <laughs> the, the most class, able-bodied right? of. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was some people that were like, how are you trying? Like, you can't even move. Like, this one woman just, congratulations for getting out and about and trying to do some physical. Yeah, yeah. Your, hip, your hips do not work. <laughs> but it was just funny because so many of them were just like, I just thought of, because I just watched this movie, I thought of Gail Stanwyck because people are just like winging it all over the place. Nobody she she doesn't thing, even listen know? to his instructions because he's like, he's like, hold the racket like this and then yeah. step into it. And then she's just like completely has the racket in a different direction <laughs> and like has is on the wrong yeah. foot. And yeah. And then they have that, uh, the, what was it? Then there's that, that whole, I'm surprised they didn't bring that back for the, the third movie, the, the Mr. Underhill's check or like <laughs> credit card or whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, I always thought that was a fun bit. They stretch it, but watching it this time, they stretch it out a long time when Underhill's complaining, he's knocking on the door, trying to get her to open. Oh yeah. yeah just, I mean, it's like, that's like get, a 10 minute scene. He's just standing out there. It's like, if she was just going to take it from him and pay it, she could have done that. 10 minutes ago. Um, and then the other thing that they stretch it out in the second movie was well, two, there's two points. One is uh, Fletch talks about having their credit you know, Underhill's credit card and using that for whatever he was doing. It was like, like breaking you, into a house with it or something like using it oh, to that like was open it. Yeah. And I was like, but you never, how did you get the, you just told somebody at the club to charge it to Underhill. You never, well, that, okay, but that was the stupidest thing. Yeah. He, or there's that, but then he also mentions at the end of the first movie, the good thing I memorized Mr. Underhill's credit card numbers it's like, and then he okay. has the credit card in the, in the second movie. It's like, this, yeah. this joke just escalated into nonsense. You guys really didn't watch the first movie, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and the other, the other, I didn't notice this. I read it in the trivia in the second movie when he's doing his dream sequence, where it's like a Disney cartoon thing. Yeah. Yeah. With the little animated yeah, characters. Yeah. Apparently the, the two play people who are the underhills in the first movie are in the background dancing. Oh, that's kind of funny. So that's the other thing is both. The first and second movies have these dream sequences. In the first movie, he dreams of playing on the Lakers with a hideous afro. Oh uh, my god, that, that was is. that that aged poorly. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> like you could not get away with that now." And it, it's been so long since I've seen this movie that I'm looking through the IMDb as I start watching it, and I'm like, "Wait, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar?" I'm like, "What is this airplane? I didn't remember him being." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's, thank God he didn't do like blackface or something, but it was oh, just god. it was yeah, it was it yeah. was a pretty terrible afro. <laughs> Yeah, and so the second one, he he does this other dream of the, the second one. It was like it was like him pretending he's like a southern gentleman. Oh, that's it. When he learns about the inheritance, yeah, yeah, yeah and he, it's like he's imagining what his life will be living in the South, and like, and he's right. dressed up in like almost like a like a 
like a Colonel Sanders style exactly. suit and let yeah. Right. So to wrap up the sort of the first movie, Fletch goes to confront Alan Stanwyck, who pulls a gun on him, and then Joe Don Baker shows up, and and it's a it's a great delivery by by a Chase. He's like, "Thank God, the police." And uh, finally, I guess the chief shoots Alan Stanwyck, and then Gail smacks the chief on the head with a cast iron pan or something. Maybe a tennis <laughs> racket. I forget. <laughs> I know he, it's it's so funny too because he figures out the whole thing, and then it's. I mean, it's a good setup. He figures out the whole like story of what's going down, how he's being framed and all that. But then he just completely overlooks like small details. Like the guy's going to have a gun and he's going like, <laughs> to hold them hostage. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which kind of repeats in the third movie too. Yeah. Which is sort of the fun of this. Like, like, like we're saying the story is not the plot is not, it's not like an Agatha Christie novel where, you know, everything's got to tie up in a nice little bow. It's just like, it's yeah. a comedy, you know, he's, He's good. Yeah, at what it's he, like, he's especially especially in the third one, he he basically just like he's not afraid of any confrontation at all. It's like yeah, he, like someone he suspects is either the murderer or he's someone he like knows will hurt him. He'll still show up and talk to them. It's like unprepared completely. Yeah, <laughs> and it's probably based on the fact that he's gotten through all these situations before that he doesn't have any. Fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only time they show, I think he shows fear is when uh, Jodan Baker, and I will never remember any of his character's name. He's just always Joseph Baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is is just threatening to shoot him in the jail cell. Yeah, yeah. When they, like, And it's like in the, in the middle of the movie, too, yeah. Yeah, that's like the only time he capitulates. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's backed into, into a cell, and the guy's got a gun. <laughs> yeah. basically telling him, either accept my offer, or I'm going to kill you right here. Yeah, and he's, and he's like, you know, shit happens all the time. Yeah, Nobody's yeah. going to do anything. We're all good here. And that, I don't, I don't know... Well, I guess he's so confident. The, the chief is so confident that nobody can touch him that he he'll just tell Fletch that he does this stuff. Yeah, I know. And it's and then all of a sudden it's it's a it's like then the resolution is at the end of the movie he gets like his editor to like sponsor FBI protection for for uh, George Wentz character and and got like what's right and gummy yeah gummy or whatever and they're gonna and it's like okay so why didn't you just get FBI protection for yourself from these people because the guy just threatened to kill you yeah <laughs> like obviously you'd write you'd write a story about how corrupt the cops are they threaten to kill you yeah exactly and that's the that's the other thing is the chief is so bad like the chief is such a sh- not the chief sorry the editor he's such, is such a he's, shitty guy oh yeah 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 you know, Fletch turns in, I forget if it was the first or second movie. He turns in a story. I think it was the second one. And he's like, Craig, I'm going to go vacation now. I was like, no, 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 you can't go on vacation. You got two more. We got to, we got to do this other story first. They like never let them. They, go they had to set up that movie the second movie the way they did, which is just like so goofy. It's like, it's always like that he's at the tail end of a, some sort of investigation yeah. and he's wrapped it all up. And, <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah. Yeah. And then when he gets threatened by the police chief, he doesn't believe him at all. I think the, yeah. I think the, the John Slattery performance in the third movie of the chief. I, I just, he's that's perfect. Cause he knows Fletch Fletch's bullshit. Yep. 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 And he calls him on it, but he still wants to hire. Him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, John Slattery is amazing. So yeah, he is. Yeah. So as I said, this, this movie was based on the first Fletch novel. Say that five times fast. That came out in 1974. They got to say the first Fletch film. Oh Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so the author is Gregory McDonald. And when he sold the rights to make the movies, he retained a casting veto. So they wanted to cast all these different people. And he kept saying no until they said Chevy Chase, which is funny because he said yes to Chevy Chase without ever seeing Chevy Chase in it. But then that, but you're, uh, I mean, you're telling me that the character's not, I mean, it's like, is he supposed to be that comedic? I mean, it's kind of weird that then if, if he had the control over it, he would go that 
that yeah. level of comedy direction. I don't know. Yeah. So the novel came out in 74. The movie came out in 85. People were trying to make this movie for like 10 years and it, or somebody was trying to make the movie and taking it to, you know, studio after studio who kept turning it down. And even universal who finally made it, turned it down once before until, you know, all the, all the planets aligned in 85 to make it. Jeez. Well, after they, they saw the success of Beverly Hills cop. Yeah, I guess. What year was that? 84. Oh, there you go. They're like, we got our own funny guy. We can put in a investigation comedy. Yeah. Ex, uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, at the end of the movie, when Fletch hops over the fence and walks along the pool area to gain access to Stanwick's house, it's the same house used in The Godfather for Jack Waltz's house. Oh, that's oh, okay, okay. That, that actually looks familiar. Yeah, yeah. And in addition, one of the aliases that he uses in the movie is Don Corleone. I mean, it's, okay, some of these are like some of the like Ted Nugent. It's like, <laughs> yeah. When he, when he pretend, yeah, he's like, he's he, he pretending to be an investigative reporter or no, he's, what is he? He's a, what, what is he? When he's, when he's Ted, is he says he's an undercover cop named Ted Nugent? I've something? lost I all remember. track of what he was when he said he, yeah, but Ted it's just, Nugent, it's like, Harry S. Truman. Yeah. Harry, okay. Well, Harry S. Truman was the, <laughs> well, I guess that one is at least he explains it and he goes, my parents were huge pre- fans of the president. It's yeah. like, but the other ones, it's like, come on, there's no way these names are, <laughs> and he just plays it off. Like it's, you know, yeah. Like it's serious. Even in the third movie, it's like when it, what does he go? He says uh, Michael Mark or no? Ma- was it was it like Marky Mark? But like oh, oh Mike, Michael yeah. Wahlberg or something like Mike, Mikey Wahlberg. Yeah, Mikey Wahlberg, yeah. Ma- Mikey Mike or something. I don't know. It was. I think that was so. That's the thing is in the third movie, he only has a couple of aliases. One is the his pen name, and the other one is just like slightly. It's like Michael Locke or Ralph. No, Ralph Locke yeah. or something. And yeah, yeah, then there's yeah. like one other thing. And then the only time he comes up with a funny one is the Mikey Mike. One. Yeah. And it's, uh, and, but then even then he, he never dresses up in the third one as a character. I was noticing that today. He, he doesn't. No, he never dresses up as a character. Uh, the, the most he'll do, he'll do a few funny, he'll do a few goofy <laughs> voices or something or accents and, and he'll change his name, but he'll never like dress up as a character. Yeah. That had to have been a choice then for him to play it more serious. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that the tone of that movie is not going to withstand buck teeth in a bad wig. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that ridiculous. <laughs> All right, what do you rate it? Uh, I give it a seven. Okay. Yeah, uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I I gave it an eight. I really I really liked it. I I and here's the thing: I could come up to an eight. I could do that, but I'll I'll probably stay at a seven. Yeah, so. sure. I don't see myself watching it again very soon, but it, mm. it's uh, I at least enjoyed it so. Which I was ready. I mean, hey, it's, it, I was ready to give it like a four. Oh, really? Like, go, well, not going into it with the intention yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Like, of like, okay, this is just going to be some, like, because everybody kept talking about the, this third movie to me. They're like, the third one's great. Like, it's like I heard it from at least four or five different people that were like, oh, the third one's great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it, and they would all kind of highlight, like, oh, you know, the first two are, are goofy. It's like, and this one's a little more of a serious film, and it's better. So I was ready to go into this thinking like, ah, oh, Chevy Chase just making an ass out of himself. It's like, it's going to be like a four or five. Yeah, no, this one, uh, as far as Chevy Chase movies, this is up there, you know, with, with uh, Christmas. With, with your favorite uh, yeah. Christmas vacation. Yeah. Like I get this, I sort of get the same feeling from it. Like his lines are that good quality and his, his delivery. Well, this is, this seems like to me, like we've talked about before with like things like Bruce Willis and stuff like that. Like he's actually acting like this is early yeah. enough in his career that he's like, actually putting effort into it you heard they're making a community movie i did yeah I and mean, he's not gonna be in it i assume no, <laughs> he, no way. neither is donald glover unfortunately 
Oh, really? All right. So IMDb gives it a 6.9 out of 10. What do you think Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 72%. Very close. 77%. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I feel like that's probably between where you and I say seven and eight. Okay. Fletch Lives came out in 1989, not based on any of the books. Also directed by Michael Ritchie from the first movie. Same budget, $8 million. (laughs) Yeah. As you said, what do you think it made? (sighs) 12. 35. Really? And they never made, well, I mean, I guess, uh, I wonder if that comes down to, they never made another one because of, you know, Chevy Chase just being like such a big star that they couldn't make it affordably or like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's really strange. Hmm. Or if he, yeah. Both of the first two movies have negligible single digit million international sales. So when I see that kind of thing, I, I never trust the box office mojo numbers yeah, too, yeah. too much, but it also suggests that maybe that just that character doesn't translate well overseas. I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm sure. It, it, well, that's the thing is it's, it's definitely not. Well, I mean, uh, I feel like the first one's kind has some aspects of British comedy in it. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I could see it not being that international of a character. Yeah. And he's so very LA centric. You know? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So IMDb says for this one, after receiving an inheritance in Louisiana, Los Angeles reporter Irvin, 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 it's Irvin. It's not Irvin. Yeah, it's Irvin. Damn it, IMDb. Get your shit straight. Los Angeles reporter Irvin Fletcher heads to the Belle Isle plantation where he gets himself into hilarious trouble. Well, I don't have a hilarious. <laughs> he gets himself into trouble. I don't know about <laughs> hilarious, but yeah. All right. So we have a uh, plethora of Southern characters here we have ham johnson played by hal holbrook becky culpepper played by julianne phillips jimmy lee farnsworth played by arlie ermy in a very different role from what he's he, yeah he totally i almost yeah. didn't recognize him uh, yeah i kept being like i know this actor who is this and then all of a sudden i was like wait a minute, this is arlie ermy how did i not <laughs> notice this like, and the funny thing is, so randall tex cobb is in this we all love him from raising arizona of course and he plays the uh, cellmate when Fletch gets thrown into jail in the South there. And it's a great scene where he's like, he says something like, take your pants off. Uh, uh, I don't even know your name. Ben Dover. Ben, nice to meet you. Victor Hugo. You wouldn't happen to have a middle name, would you? Everybody else around here seems to. What are you in for, Ben? Molesting a dead horse. Oh, well, there's no crime in that. That's your right as an American. I'm trying to cut down myself. Yeah, yeah. And he's actually quoted or listed as Ben Dover in the credits. So Wait, we never did, know did what he's Did he ever explain why he's cross-dressing in the... No! And also not why he then works at the mortuary, the morgue. Uh, yeah, that, that was so <laughs> odd to me where I was like, obviously this character comes back, but it's like, but then now it's like they're not referencing his, like... The, his his previous introduction of being a crossdresser, and then like, I don't know, it just didn't make any sense. And then no. I was just now he's just some asshole that works at a morgue and steals from people. Yeah, and so and this movie is just filled with. And then he's so, weird. Then he's weirdly like the muscle for like the bad guy. The, then he's the, uh, the yeah. muscle for the bad guy and the head of a biker gang. Oh, dude, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get Tex Cobb, you want to use him. So, and and, so, and here's the thing: the the Chevy Chase is like his disguises are not that great that when he's like <laughs> he's pretending to be like the owner of harley davidson at the yeah. bar and he's talking face to face with that guy and the guy just does not recognize him no yeah it's it's 
it's and like he he goes on Farnsworth's show and then he comes back as another preacher. Yeah. Now, granted, he was only on his show as himself for like a a minute, but he like then Farnsworth took him around for a tour of Bible Land, and they spent like an hour or two together. Uh, Cleavon Little is in this as Calculus Entropy. <laughs> wow. that, that actually sounds like a, a Fletch fake name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which it turns out is a fake name because he's an FBI agent undercover. And I think this, the only two movies I've seen Cleavon Little in are this and Blazing Saddles. And yeah. so uh, uh, yeah, he's always yeah. up against the KKK, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of like, like the South is racist jokes in here. And I was like, oof. It's cool, I get it, but it's it's too on the note. It's too like it's not subtle yeah. enough. Yeah. Oh, this is not subtle. No. <laughs> yeah. No. It's like it, like it was almost it's almost racist in itself the way they portrayed jokes about racism. Yeah. So this one starts uh, with Fletch because we have to have him already on a, on an assignment. He's undercover at some mob restaurant as a I would say Monty Python level <laughs> maid. We're worse than that. I mean, you could <laughs> you could see his black hair under the the old lady with like gray wig. Right. I mean, is this bosom buddies level? I don't know. No, no, it's well, I mean, worse in this in a sense of like no makeup whatsoever, like Right, right. And with his like extreme features, like his, you know, his strong like jaw and chin. Tall. Like, which, which I forgot to mention in that first movie, like with with Chevy Chase and Gina Davis. I mean, that movie had a hell of a lot of chin going on. Oh my god! Right, chin, like and he's two, the only two, person. Yeah, two strong chins. Just yeah, <laughs> and he and like Jeff Goldblum are the only male leads who can act t- and be stand next to Gina Davis and be taller than her. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. All right, and of course we get the dumb thing where he's a maid and he gets hit on by the mob guy at the restaurant. Yeah. Because that's uh, always like, hilarious. I mean, even if this guy is like compl- like very blind or something, it's like right. there is nothing like the, the, the costume <laughs> that he puts on and the outfit he puts on just is just not passable whatsoever. No, no. Not the voice, nothing. Yeah. I, I wrote down early on in this, I said, I'm guessing this was not based on any of the books. <laughs> no, no. So he uh he gets out of that and he goes back to the office and I, as I said before, the boss is not going to let him go on vacation. They get to call from a lawyer saying his aunt in Louisiana died and is leaving him her plantation, which seems oh so very convenient. So he quits and goes to Louisiana. Did they ever explain? So when he gets there, the woman who's going over the executor of the will or whatever, she's yeah. like, she's explaining how, you know, oh, like he only got the house last minute because the previous will was replaced. Do they right. ever explain she, they why never... she replaced the will? Because everybody else, everybody else is complaining that they, their family members got scammed out of their houses. I wonder. Like I, I, I agree. I don't know that they ever explained it, but I'm wondering if it's one of those things where the aunt realized what was going on and she didn't want it to get scammed. Then, then the the whoever. the you know the. The house, the guy, the assistant or whatever, who like, yeah, what was, oh, it was, what was his name again? It was calculus calculus. Yeah. He, he plays it up to where like, oh, you know, well, you know, your, your aunt or the last year, like you know, a couple months of her life, like she was going through a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of lines of dialogue in here that don't really mean anything or add up. It's just, it's just story mover. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And how long was he undercover? Did he just get there. That's, well, may, maybe he never even knew her. Who knows? Right. I mean, there's did nothing to establish that died? he actually did work for her. Then, yeah, did the executor know? Like, I, 
but he seems to know everybody else in the movie. He also weirdly knows how to go like, you know, hunting and there's like, yeah, he knows all this like Southern behavior, except for what at the end is, doesn't he have like a Jewish last name? <laughs> yeah. It's like Goldstein. It was like, it was like Goldberg or something. Goldberg. Yeah. But that was the thing in the middle of the movie, they go to a bar and one of the guys at the bar says, like, Hey, how's it going? Calculus. And he comes over. He's like, Hey, you should come, uh, you know, coon hunting with us. Yeah. You know? So it's like, he clearly is, a regular and knows everybody in the town and not, they don't know him as an FBI. I mean, maybe he's been undercover for like a while or something. I know. Like, I guess, I guess this land toxic waste dumping has been going on for some time, but it seems, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all, it's all very convenient. So Fletch of course sleeps with the executor because this is what he does. And somebody comes in in the middle of the night and injects her with something and Fletch gets arrested on suspicion of murder. How does he, how does he get out? Oh, right. So while he's in there, this is where we meet Bendover. And then Hal Holbrook, Ham Johnson comes in to get him out because he's his lawyer. And Fletch says, hey, why don't you help me out? You know, can you help me out too? And I was watching this and I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And I'm like, I guess I started out being a little suspicious of the Ham Johnson character. And I'm like, oh, no, he seems really nice. He's okay. He's a good guy. And I'm like, nope, nope. He's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also weird that uh, like at the end, like Fletch is the one he doesn't even need a lawyer. Like he he's the one that comes up with the idea to like to say that he's going to sell the house or something. And then they drop the charges. Right. He right. Because when he has the meeting with Farnsworth, he tells Farnsworth he'll give him the property. Yeah. Farnsworth hasn't dropped the charges. Yeah. I think the lawyer thing. I, I, I don't know. So if it, so if it wasn't the the Farnsworth guy, I don't know. It's like. And who actually yeah, dropped so, the charge? It's yeah, it's like right. So Farnsworth has influence with the sheriff's office, but he and he wanted the land to expand his Bible. But he's not the ultimate bad guy. Yeah, he's not the bad guy at all. In fact, it was it was the um, what do they call it? Empire Chemicals or whatever it was called, who was dumping toxic waste all over the properties. All because all because his mama got swindled out of her property or what was it? it was, yeah, that was it. So and that was confusing to me because. Yeah, his his mom got swindled out, but he so Ham the, the the end of the movie takes place at Ham's property, which is a giant plantation building. He's having a an old old South party. Everyone's dressed up yeah. in Civil War shit. Yeah, and when he comes clean and tries to kill Fletch, and Fletch and the girl run away, they run out of the front of the house, like they take a right, and now they're suddenly running into the Bible Park. And I'm like, don't all these plantations have like 48 acres on them? Like, yeah, how? How close is the Bible Park to the back door, right the next front door, door to it? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's, oh, the other weird thing I just realized is that t- twice in these movies, in two and three, the bad guy uses or at least attempts to use loud music to cover up, like shooting. Because <laughs> when they take him upstairs in the second one, oh, he's like, yeah. he's like, you know, oh, the band's playing downstairs. Don't worry, no one's gonna hear this gunfire. That that thing about the EBM music in the third movie was really weird. It really was, yeah. I feel like that was just like a joke that they kept trying to like put in and just didn't land. So that was the thing. And, and you kind of alluded to it earlier is that, and, and I, I agree, like in the first two movies, Fletch is the eccentric one and everyone else, you know, whether they're good or bad or whatever, maybe they're Southern and maybe they're stupid. Maybe they're, Yeah, they're, their characters are sometimes played up for being like Southern yeah, or for being like, like a bum or something, but it's... But they're not like weird. They're kind of the normal. They're the straight person that Fletch yeah. is bouncing off of. Yeah, exactly. And in the third movie, he seems to be like 
He's like Jim from The Office, where he's just constantly yep, yep, reacting yep. to how quirky everyone else is. You're laughing at his reaction of other people being yes. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I kind of, I really got into. I liked it a lot. Yeah, no, it's, it's it definitely it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just to me, like I said, like as I told you off off mic, I was like, I was like, it, if you just change the name of the the, yeah. the character in the third movie, you'd never know this was a like a Fletch movie. One of the funny bits that I did remember, well. I remembered it being funnier than it is. So when Fletch go, comes to the plantation that he inherited and Calculus is there and showing him around, and he's like, oh, here's this car. This car run? Yeah, but uh, this bell stopped driving when the brakes ran out. I run a few errands from time to time, but if you want to stop it, you got to think ahead. That's a joke that I've used quite a bit because I've owned several shitty cars in my life. I feel like that was a joke, like almost like a recycled joke from uh, vacation. Uh, like just him, him and his troubles with his cars. Like remember yeah. how the, the airbags always going off and like, well, I mean, so in the first movie we get the family truckster, that's the car that they didn't want. And then yeah. in the reboot sequel, uh, then they get the car that has all the bells and whistles that, that, that go crazy. Yeah, uh, but, but, but in the first one, remember the airbag and the airbag. I remember this is like it's it's honestly like a trash bag. They just filled up with air. I don't remember the airbag in the first one. Oh, you get yeah. Well, you look it up when you when you get a chance. Okay. But it's basically it goes off at least twice. It goes so off I, like yeah. yeah. What I think of when I see this, so so Fletch drives a car around and they do this this running gag where he has to stop and he'll slam on the brake and nothing happens until he runs into a parking meter or something. Yeah, and that just reminds me of. You know, the naked gun, of course, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not as funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Like, at one point, he knocks over a parking meter, and then he picks it up, takes some of the coins that have fallen out of it, and puts them back in through the slot to pay for it. I know. It's it's just dangling there, yeah. Yeah. The uh, so we've kind of I, I kind of mentioned Beverly Hills Cop three in this, and just because it's it takes place at a theme park, and when they do the wide shots of Bible Land in this, it's just so clearly a matte painting. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned we mentioned earlier that uh, Tex Cobb works at the morgue, uh, Fletch and Calculus. Oh, thank you. You just reminded me. So that scene in the second one where he's like, you find out that the, the preacher is like using some guy and a computer yeah. off. To like look up information on like this is 1989. There is not some sort of interconnected database of who these people are. No, 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 no. But that's the thing. Um, so that there's there was a an evangelist in the 80s that did that sort of thing. But well, yeah, but they they I know yeah I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about how they how they did it too. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it was like it wasn't it wasn't any sort of internet thing, but it was just like people would fill out cards ahead of time and they would just have all this information. Well, what they would do is they they would send a, a person from the like the production into the audience to mingle with them mm. and just sort of strike up conversations with them. Oh, what are you here for? And all that, and then they would feed that back to the person. Right, right. Yeah, that the computer stuff in this was hilarious. Yeah, and then it's like it was he's the, the the guy thinks it's like the preacher thinks. <laughs> The guy right. is going to confess about like embezzling money or something. No, yeah, really just- he, he's there for hemorrhoids and yeah. Fletch tells him through the microphone that he's there as a gambling addict. Gambling addict. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, you got to expose the problem. And it's one of those, like, let's use the, you know, let's be general and non-specific enough so that the guy's going to pull down his pants eventually. I, it's like, even then it's like, I don't know. I like, there's it's no way a long way to go. He's just going to pull down his, like yeah. I could see him saying and screaming out what he had, but not pulling his pants down and yeah. showing his 
flat to the, <laughs> so yeah. Stupid. So Fletch and Calculus sneak into the morgue where Cobb is working. I thought it was a pretty good line. So as you said, Cobb steals stuff and he, he takes Fletch's watch from him, his uh, Lakers watch, of course. And Calculus is like, shouldn't I get that? Tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You call me whenever you want. I'll tell you what time it is. Now get moving. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a good joke, yeah. And so also funny, he's watching, he's watching Terminator. Uh, that's right. He's yeah, like, leave me alone. I'm watching, watching Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Probably because it's a universal property. <laughs> it was out at a time or something. So later on, when he's going coon hunting, he gets attacked by somebody in the woods. And then when, when he, they get scared off, he finds his watch. So he obviously knows who it is. And when he gets home, he sees that Calculus's boots are all filled, covered with the same muck that his were, and Calculus won't like let him touch the gun. So he suspects that Calculus is out there, and he seems acting a little shady. But it was clear, like later on, you realize he was out there protecting him. Yeah, and he so he gets this weird gunk on his shoes, and he actually sends him all the way to L.A. to get it tested. That's so stupid, yeah. <laughs> After the results come in and we see the shoes, they're all rotted away because it's toxic waste that's eating him away. And I'm like, how did that survive the trip through the mail? Yeah, well, it's, yeah at what point? <laughs> yeah, it would have just eaten through the box or whatever right. he sent in it. Yeah. I mean, there's, and there's no there's no science labs in uh, Louisiana? Well, maybe not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Not in 1989, yeah. So he does the Ed Harley bit. He goes into the – and oh, here's – so he goes to the biker bar to, I guess, trying to find out more about Tex Cobb. And he – does the Ed Harley bit? Name's Ed. Ed Harley? Yeah. Are you sure you're in the right place? I think so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you doing here? I'll give you a hint. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hmm? You don't get it? Oh, yeah. You're the one that doesn't get in. Ed Harley. Harley Davidson Motorcycles. You own the company? Well, my granddaddy started it, and then my daddy screwed Davidson out of his half. <laughs> now I own the whole thing. <laughs> Harley Davidson, no shit. No shit? Hey, y'all. Ed the third here owns Harley Davidson. We're the Nazis from Natchez. Yeah. They have a real name. But he d- ends up getting no information. They, they, he's like, hey, let me ride a bike. He says, sure, let's all go for a ride. And he and, and what's her name get on the bike. And then his mustache comes off. So Cobb knows he's faking. And so they go on this bike chase and he ends up jumping through a moving train to get away. And it's like, okay, I get all of Fletch's skills about sneaking into places or talking his way into places and investigating stuff. But I don't know about, motorcycle stunts like that doesn't yeah no like at the beginning when he first figures out with the mustache he like peels the mustache off and he's got he's got that woman on the back and then he just like revs the engine or like the whole thing yeah it does a wheelie i'm like (laughs) what like this is stupid yeah that whole scene made no sense and it it doesn't need to be in the movie it didn't invent the plot it he didn't learn any information I guess, I mean, maybe this was after uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and they had yeah. a, a biker scene or something. Some tequila. <laughs> should It should have had Fletch dancing on a table with... There's three Pee-wee movies. We need to do those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about the new one. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, it turns out, you know, Ham Johnson's doing all this. They end up chasing Fletch through the Bible land and onto the show. Because, of course, you tape your 
televangelism show right at the amusement park that you own for reasons. What do they say? It's like he had like 3,000 something episodes, like the episode number 3,540. <laughs> I'm like, good yeah. God, man. Even <laughs> one per day, that's like 10 years no, of like. Christ. And uh, Ham Johnson shows up and he's going to shoot Fletch on TV in front of three, you know, how many thousands of people watching live and millions watching on television when Calculus shows up and, and his FBI partner just pop up out of nowhere, pointing guns at Ham. And they wait until Ham fires at Calculus to shoot him. Like, these are the yeah. worst FBI guys since Die Hard. Yeah, it's it's also, it's like, at least in Die Hard, John McClane's got a gun. And there's a reason why they don't shoot him. It's like, because it's in a standoff. It's like, right. Fletch always seems to just be unarmed, like, and trying to talk his way out of things. Yeah, but even when the FBI gets there, they're like, hey, freeze, you know, all right, so-and-so's going to shoot you. Don't move. And they just wait. They, they, yeah. they wait until this old, decrepit, guy turns the gun toward him and fires a shot before you know fortunately he missed yeah and then as we said he signs off the toxic waste laden plantation to his ex-wife oh what about that scene with uh the toxic waste dump or i think oh, phil, the, the, phil, phil, yeah, phil hartman thank you yeah 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 he goes to the i mean which I is really phil weird he, like him doing like a southern accent was like yeah was weird <laughs> Cause he always kind of plays like these like posh refined characters. And now he's like this like Southern, like, you know, plant manager. Yeah. And it's, it was a weird scene. Cause I guess that that's where Fletch finds out that Ham Johnson is the one receiving all this toxic waste or he's on the board of the company or whatever it is. But it was, it was kind of a waste of Phil Hartman. He doesn't it was do yeah. interesting. And so, yeah, Fletch doesn't do anything really interesting in the scene either. No, he doesn't. He's, yeah, he, I don't think he's, he's not really playing even a character then, is he? Oh, he's I kind of. sort he, of an yeah. officious executive of some Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And then at the very end of the movie, Fletch turns and looks right at the camera. Freeze frame. Like, <laughs> really? All that just for a fourth wall break. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Fletch lives? This, the fact that that woman dies, it's, I feel like they, they, take, they take the murder more seriously in the third movie than they do in the second one. They're just sort of like, oh, she's dead. Like, oh, and it, you know what? Turns out it wasn't you, Fletch. Yeah. Like, and there seemed like there was no investigation into her death because it well, was no, ruled. Because, yeah, clearly the cops were all in on it because yeah, they yeah. were going to flame. They were going to frame Fletch. Flame Fletch. <laughs> yeah. Frame Fletch, <laughs> and yeah. then when, I guess, oh, when he agreed to give the land to Farnsworth, they got rid of that and they burned her, they cremated her and faked the morgue report to say that it was a natural causes heart attack or something. Yeah. So clearly the, the cops were all in on whatever's going on here. But yeah, that's why nothing was made of her death. I got nothing else to say about this movie. All right. I went down to a five on this one. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's, there's still aspects that, that it's enjoyable or not enjoyable as much as it's like entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, I could definitely do a five on that. There's some fun lines in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's still the same character and he still gets to be goofy and play like little things. It's just, the plot is just stupid. The plot's like somehow even more like <laughs> yeah. unbelievable oh, yeah. and, and, you know, convoluted than the first movie. And he reuses the airplane mechanic outfit from the first movie. He's got <laughs> the buzz cut and the buck teeth and the jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. Part it is, but he, he used it again. Okay, so this time Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 37%. Okay. IMDb 4.9. 6.1. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's yeah. just people out there that love Fletch and, and uh, Chevy Chase. Confess Fletch came out, oh, like three weeks ago here in 2022, directed by Greg Matola, who also directed Superbad, Adventureland, and Keeping Up with the Joneses. Yeah, Speaking I just don't, it's like, I don't, like, 
this like I, when you when you talked about the first director and and like Bad News Bear, I'm like okay, that all that tracks like for the style of that movie. Like this style, of this movie does not match those other ones. No, not at all. And in fact, his like the three movies I just listed, like Super Bad was a fun teen romp. You know, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses was a t- spy comedy, and Adventureland was just boring as shit. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah, yeah. Know. Well, I mean, well, what's uh, keeping with the Joneses? That was John Hamm's. So. It was John Hamm. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty fun. I liked it. I could not find a budget for this movie. You know, it's pretty soon. They don't. They don't always advertise that stuff. People got yeah, exactly. Yeah, suss it out. What do you think, though? The gross U.S. I don't have any international numbers yet, but it was. It was so it was released in theaters and simultaneously on some streaming service for pay. probably Paramount Plus. Yeah. What do you think the gross was? And I, I looked it up today again. So as you know, as of today on IMDb, what do you think the number? Is? Thirty-eight million. Add a five hundred to that. Really? Five hundred and thirty-eight million. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's absurd. It is absurd, right? Because it's it not- is. Oh, that's like th- no. I'm sorry. My bad. Five hundred thirty-eight thousand. Oh, okay. Wow. I misread That's, it. <laughs> okay. You, that, those are good. That they, makes those so are, much more sense. Those are orders of magnitude. Different. Yeah. Like three orders of magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> good God, man. Yeah. I was going to say like, that doesn't make any one, sense. It, one is astonishing well. and one is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. like, Yikes. Yeah. There's, there's no way in my head. I was like, there's no way that made yeah How, like that's that's like bad avengers level or not bad like bad <laughs> marvel level money right like. right okay Whew. all right that makes sense all right yeah so we're probably not going to see any more of these <laughs> no i mean yeah so imdb says after becoming the prime suspect in multiple murders multiple multiple yeah uh, well like, i guess are, are they are they saying they think that um was it, what's his name? Multi or whatever is dead or whatever the, Oh, Oh, I don't think he ever got tried. How, anyway. how like Marcia Gay Harden character keeps saying that her husband's dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just know that he's dead. Like, yeah. Fletch strives to prove his innocence while simultaneously searching for his fiance's stolen art collection. His fiance's father's stolen art. And not his fiance at all. No, he wasn't until, he, he until was thinking even, about proposing. And even him. then he doesn't even end up with her at the end. No, he's only with her for a month. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Fletch is played by John Hamm this time, as we said. Um, as you mentioned, Marsha Gay Harden plays the Countess. His girlfriend, Angela, is played by Lorenza Izzo. Tatiana Tasserly, played by Lucy Punch. She's always fun. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin is here, playing the evil art dealer. Uh, I mentioned that we have an, a different Larry this time, played by Annie, Anna Osceola. And then we have our... Uh, oh, I didn't write down the cop. The two cops cracked me up. Yeah, no, especially especially the female cop. She was the best. She was yes. like the best character. Uh, she's great. Grizz, played by Aiden Mayeri, and Detective Monroe, slow mo Monroe, played by Roy Wood Jr. Yeah, There's oh, the two- yeah, dude. So here's here's my problem with this movie. If we're doing a Fletch movie, it's like you put you put in someone like Roy Wood. It's like to be Fled. You know what I mean? It's like someone who's got that style of like deadpan comedy. It was interesting because, yeah, because he was being super deadpan to Fletch. Yeah. You know, and they were just kind of out trying to outdo each other. Yeah. I would have been, I, I would I would have been, I would have been more like, this is a Fletch movie if it was him than, <laughs> than, than. I, uh, I'd watch that. He's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. Uh, I guess my, so here's my two main problems with this movie is that uh. 
is that John Hamm, I mean, and, th and this is maybe just the choice, and it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but John Hamm, I've seen John Hamm do comedy. I've seen him in, like, that tag movie. I've seen him in, like, uh, 30 Rock and all these other, like, you know, things. Mm -hmm. And so he can do comedy. I've seen him, like, be funny. But he plays this character like like Don Draper from Mad Men. Yeah, it's like Don Draper in a, in a Three Stooges movie or something. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Because like, because even Don Draper would try to be funny sometimes, but it's like, and make like little snide, sarcastic comments or something, and and that's what I feel like the, the style so, of comedy that he was going for. Okay, so yeah, no, yeah, I agree. He was definitely going for the subtle, understated, dry comedy. But as I was watching it again today, I was like, holy shit! There's like zinger after zinger going by, and they're just he's just not. We're just not even acknowledging them. Whereas, exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. In yeah. the, in the other movies, Chevy chase would make a face or he'd do a thing or say whatever. But this one, it's like, we maybe get a look, we get an arched eyebrow. We might get a little comment out of Fletch saying, well, yeah, cause you know. I, cause you're right. Cause it's, in the Chevy chase one, he's talking to the characters, but in this one, it almost seems like, like John Hamm's talking to the audience more. Right. And he's, he's doing these subtle reactions to the weird people around him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and then the other problem I had with this is that there was too many, like this movie just seemed like it was to me too many really fantastic, amazing, serious, dramatic actors who just got super excited at the chance to play a comedy. Like, you know, John yeah. Slattery, John Hamm, like Marcia Gay Harden. Marcia Gay Harden, which I didn't recognize her at all at first. Dude, her her Italian accent might be one of the most atrocious things I've it's ever so heard. It's so funny. It's so bad. <laughs> Yeah, those. So for for Dave's accent, because at least the, the the other woman who plays Fletch's girlfriend, she's like this. She's Chilean. She's Chilean, yeah. but I think I think it's, I read that she's like half Italian or something. Oh, okay. So at least yeah. she can do an Italian accent, right? She was believable, and then Robert Picardo plays the Count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. So nobody who who's Italian in this movie is actually Italian, and I just yeah. love the Countess. Whenever she calls him Fletch, she says Flesh. Yeah. <laughs> it just cracked me up. I know. Yeah, it was, uh, so it was just, there was just too many, like, I was like, oh, and then it's like, then you get the comedy actors of like Roy Wood and, and that, that the Grizz or whatever, the, the Grizz girl that plays Grizz. Eugene Merman. And I, is yeah. And, I, and I'm like, okay, well their stuff's landing. Cause they're actually like, they know how to do comedy, especially when you've got like Greg Matola, who's doing like super bad level movies, which it's like super bad works because it's filled wall to wall with great comedic actors. Yeah. Right. It's so it is a weird it's a weird combination of the main character who from the previous movies was the comedic center. In this one, he's just sort of he's still doing the like, I'm gonna bluff everybody and yeah. and do my shtick, but he's he's sort of the eye of the storm, you know? Yeah. The the other thing that took me out of this movie so many times, and I, I feel terrible for saying this, is that the the character of the marina security yeah. Like the guard. Eugene Merman. It's the, it's yeah. It's the same actor who plays in Bob's burgers. Yep. who plays Gene. Yeah. And all, it's all I hear. It's like every time <laughs> oh, sure. he talks, that's I mean, all that's, I hear. It's like right. one of the, like it's, it's the worst whenever like a character is known, like, like how uh, Mia Kunis always gets like Meg from family guy. It's like, everyone's always like, all I hear when you talk is just Meg. It's like, yeah. or Kristen yeah. Shaw from Bob's. Burgers, yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. I um I worked on a Eugene Merman show. There was when I I did a sh uh, a job for the union like eight years ago over at one of the theaters in San Francisco, and it was a week of comedy shows. 
And it was four different comics, one each night. And it was Amy Schumer, Kristen Shaw, Eugene Merman, and Kyle Kinane. So I got to do like camera assistant for, for, for those four comics, which was really fun. I had not heard of any of them before then. Oh, funny. And they, huh. they all became like super popular <laughs> since then. Yeah, yeah. And I finally saw the show on like Comedy Central a couple of years later. And there's like one or two shots where you can see me following the camera guy around holding his, holding his uh, cable. <laughs> you're famous dude yeah that's right yeah but yeah so eugene merman and he's <laughs> he's funny as the uh the oversharing security guard who is allergic to shellfish <laughs> yeah one of the other things i noticed at least it was the first and the third one maybe not the second one I, it's not as well written a story of course because the first and the third one are actually written by <laughs> the guy all of the details that you need to solve it almost all of them are kind of laid out you can see, okay, you can see Kyle McLaughlin is a germaphobe and you can see this and that. The other thing, like, okay, all these things kind of come out, but because all these characters are so quirky, you don't necessarily think about them as clues right away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, okay, so I guess we can get to it, but when he talks about the, uh, the germaphobia thing being the dead giveaway with the guy at the hand, like, yeah. you, who notices that in that video? It's like the most, it's the most obscure thing. (laughs) It's pretty obscure. And as, because this is my second watching today, I was watching for that. I knew that was going to be the thing. And even in the scene where the detective is watching the video over and over and he sees it, they cut away to his reaction before you see it. I I frame advanced and there is no way for the audience to see that clue. It doesn't show up. Yeah. That's that's kind of annoying and stupid because then it's like, you're not even giving the audience a chance to figure it out. Right. And they do, they do play up. Like he makes a face like, oh, I figured it out. Like, right. And you're like a oh, cool, what did you see? It's like, yeah, at least give me, give me three frames of it. You know? Yeah. 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 Right. So the story of this is that Fletch met Angela in Italy. Cause he was writing an article on her father or something, or he was doing something in Italy. The count got nine of his paintings stolen. He met up with Angela to tell her that he thought he knew who did it. They start having an affair. Then the count they get word that the count is kidnapped and they want one of the paintings as payment which is super convenient who kidnapped him i did this did, like that never gets explained well no they they do explain it that nobody kidnapped him at the end when the count shows up it turns out that he and and fletch were in cahoots the whole time and fletch had told him to fake kidnapping and go to the Canary i don't think I, I don't think i even got that <laughs> <laughs> like all of a sudden he yeah. just shows up at the end and he's like, Hey Fletch. And he's like, Oh, Hey. And I'm like, okay, I guess they know each other. Like, right. So, right. So they met each other while Fletch was working on his book or something. And he told the count to fake his death. That'll like flush out whoever's stole the paintings or is in on it or whatever. I don't, I, that was a little foggy to me. I'm not sure how that worked out, but yeah. So it turns out that the art dealer in Boston played by Kyle McLaughlin, he stole the paintings and he was in cahoots with Angela because she thought they were her birthright and she didn't want the stepmom, the countess, yeah. to get her hands on him. And then it turns out that Horan, the art dealer, was deep in debt and he needed the paintings. He needed the money from the paintings and he was going to kill Angela anyway. And then Flet shows up. He's going to kill him. I, 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 I can't tell if the first movie is more convoluted than the third one, but they're both <laughs> just like. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's exactly like everything is, is ridiculous. But it's like, it doesn't even tie together. Like you said, it's not like it's like a, one of those movies where it's like, oh, wow, this tied into that perfectly. And that it's just like, 
it's so sloppy. It's like, right. and even then, it, like he's barely figuring out who it is, and he's wrong. Yeah. And it's <laughs> he's like, wrong. Yeah. He's at the end. He's like, he's yelling at Angela, like, "You did this, and you did that, and you broke my heart." And then they they stop and they look, and Horan's got a gun on both of them. Like, oh shit, sorry. He's calling like <laughs> her an, a terrible, heartless woman or something. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and, and she's so shocked that like, yeah. Yep. I guess the movie starts with he he goes to this uh, townhouse that he's renting in Boston to investigate the painting theft. And the first night there, he finds a dead woman, and that kicks off the whole plot. At one point, he runs into the neighbor Eve, who's walking her dog, and she this I, this is just gold. I mean, this, this character yeah, yeah. is amazing. She, she was a good character. Yeah, she just talks about everything, is oblivious to everything. Her dog pees. She lights everything on fire. She's just uh, it's just great. See, there, there there was there was jokes that drag on and on and on that were good, and then the ones that were bad. Like her her whole stick about like, oh, I don't want to talk bad about somebody, and then she immediately tells you something <laughs> terrible about them. Like yeah. over and over. She did it like four or five times. She did it and twice. Then, no, she did she does it like she talks about the people upstairs. She talks about like his drug habit. She talks about like the, the girlfrienders or she, like she the says, other ones. She says that about the guy and the ex-wife. I think that's the only time she says And then that, she talks but, about the people upstairs, like well, the rich she, people that well, she doesn't say the line. I don't want to say anything bad about them. Uh, well, anyway, but it's uh, <laughs> but then the the joke that doesn't land is constantly Fletch telling people that he's amazing at Italian, and he's just terrible at it. He's kind of like like boning up words all the time. Like, yeah, that was a weird. That was a weird runner. And he's so. And that thing is like, it's not like he was being like cheeky or funny about it. He was just like like he was dead serious. Like, no, no, you guys can speak Italian. I'm I'm excellent at it. And they're always like, mm, no, you're not. I think. So that was the thing. He was so dead serious about it. I feel like the I feel like that was a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was. That was definitely one of the weirder. It's, it's not that it was. A, it just didn't land. It just wasn't yeah. like no. That was not like as good as the other stuff. It was funny the first time, and then it just stopped being funny. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saulish, in that he, for some reason, in the middle of the movie, he rent he buys this van from onlyvans.com <laughs> yeah, oh that was yeah that was so weird yeah and then he takes it to these he finds some street artists who are who are painting graffiti or whatever i had no idea what that subplot no. was right and he's like here i'm gonna get out of here unless i'm under arrest in which case i'm listening very carefully to your instructions because we all know how that shit goes oh, no, no 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 look i may i may have come across wrong here i'm mike Wahlberg, mikey mike i'm with the city league arts project the clap the clap I know, trust me, we're workshopping the name. But our mission is to discover and celebrate some of the young artists here on the streets of Boston. But who's going to see your work here? My aunt takes this way to work. Right, here's what I can do for you. See that van? You can paint the whole van. Then, when I drive it around, people can see your creation. Sounds sketchy. Well, look, I understand you might not want to trust a white guy driving in an unmarked van who likes to have conversations with young people. But I tell you what. I can give you $300 cash. You're not making this sound any less sketchy, bro. It's for supplies and labor. You trust us. You're artists, right? If you don't use that van as your mobile canvas, you're just cheating yourself. I don't know what all that white man nonsense was, but you got a deal. Fantastic. All right, I will be back here, right here, two days. The whole van painted. Make sure you sign it so the world knows who did it. Okay. What was your name again? What did I say? You're asking us what your name is? Be inspired! 
Yeah. Like, you don't even remember what name you told us? Yeah. I love that part because that's like the first time in three movies where he forgets the fake name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a good one. But, uh, but so what, how did that van play into things? I don't think I understood so that. So the van was, like, was... Was that where he was hiding the paintings? Or he said That's he where he hid the paintings. Yeah. And, and at the end of the movie, when he's leaving the apartment, he runs into the detective and he's like, yeah, well, we're keeping our eye out for a blue van registered to Erwin Fletcher. Yeah. So, because it's not blue, and I'm sure he changed the license plates on it, that's how yeah, he yeah. Gets, gets away with it. It just seems so weird to, like, have this whole thing dedicated to them. And then he gives away all the paint. Like, Rob Picardo's character at the end, like, it yeah. turns out all the all the paintings are, like, stolen from, like, you know, like, the, the Mussolini era of, like, yeah. and so... And so he's like, he's, oh, I've always felt ashamed and terrible of having them. You can have them. And it's like one of them was worth like $20 million, right. <laughs> like the Picasso or something. Yeah. So it's like probably, and there was nine of them. So it's probably like, it's you like know, $100 million. Yeah, probably, yeah, oh yeah. Probably like close to that. If yeah. And it just, he starts giving them away to people, which I mean, good luck being able to sell that. Well, that's the thing, right? Well, yeah. I don't know how art, you know, works unless I, I mean. I just saw the thing on uh, museums by uh, John Oliver, but <laughs> which is oh yeah, yeah, actually I haven't watched that one yet. I want to watch that. Oh, it's yeah. I, you'd never go to a museum again, man. Oh really? Oh man, I can't wait to watch. I, I, his show is so great. Yeah. So yeah. So the art thief Horan was was selling the paintings. He had already sold two, I think, by yeah, the time yeah, he yeah. found them, and he was going to sell the the other one to the Picasso to to Fletch. Um, so somehow Fletch managed to fence all these paintings and I guess he sent one to Larry, not Larry. Yeah. The John Slattery character. John Slattery. Yeah. Yeah. And then he sent no, Frank. He sent one to, oh, he sent one to the Countess. Contessa di Grazi. Questo è arrivato per te. Solo uno. Fletch. Not a piece of shit. And then he kept, I think he kept the Picasso for himself. And I guess he sold the rest and gave them at least some of the money to the boyfriend of the girl who got killed. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess the rest he spent on living on a boat in the South Pacific or somewhere. Yeah. Or he was in like Central America or Caribbean. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, you know what? The, the most oddest thing to this movie for them to even recognize in a throwaway line to me. <laughs> was were, were they were they addressing that this takes place post pandemic? They did address it like twice, yeah. Yeah, we're we're uh like he like he goes to like the, the newspaper office and he's like, Where is everybody? And they're like, Oh those Listen, where is everybody? They're still working from home. Can you believe it? They're fucking babies. Places like a silent retreat. And these goddamn millennials. They're so respectful. I can't tell you how much I fucking hate this place. You didn't bring anybody from LA? Just Pete who does the jumble. Hey, Pete! Hey, Fletch. I was, I, at that moment, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, why would you even address that in this and then, movie? And then in uh, Horan's office, because he doesn't want to shake hands, he's like, oh, you know, you've been doing that since the pandemic. He's like, oh, no, no, I've been doing this since uh, touchscreens. You know, I haven't yeah. had a cold in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and he makes that joke where, yeah, yeah. where she's like, are you sick? And then he's like, like sick in the mind. And he's like, then John Hamm goes, he hasn't been sick in 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know why they would put that in there. That was just so weird. It is weird. And, and it's interesting because obviously that wasn't in the original book. It doesn't play to the plot at all. It like No, yeah. it just sort of sets the movie in a specific time period. It, yeah. I wonder if it was almost just to like, to ex, like, I guess with the guy with the germophobia, you would just chalk that up as, oh, he's doing it for the pandemic or something. I don't know. Like, right. 
And so they had to insert that to like differentiate, like, no, this guy's just always been a germaphobic. Like a yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. It's like, I mean, all the movies that have been made since the pandemic started had to make the decision whether or not like to address every, it. every TV show, especially comedies had like one episode about people wearing masks. Really? Oh yeah. Like I've seen so far, there was like a, a episode of like Brooklyn nine, nine where they're all wearing masks in the office. Huh. And there's like, I could, I've seen like a list of like movie, like TV shows that like they have like a mask episode. Interesting. I, I guess I haven't watched any sort of contemporary mainstream. Yeah shows like that but, the, but that was like all that was the extent of which they all addressed it was like right. and then it's like oh that's done it's over like, <laughs> okay but this was just weird to like put this in the movie for no reason like yeah it is odd i mean but that's the thing is like the, the book was probably written in the 70s which means a lot of the plot and a lot of the little instances like he gets he's using a lift to get around all the time when he's got the yeah. every time he gets out it's like five stars five star yeah so they obviously updated the story to take place now and one of the things they did was put the pandemic in it for some reason. Oh, I love when he goes to question the wife, Tatiana, and she's this interior designer, influencer, wannabe person. And she's like, every single piece I curate is bespoke. Ooh, bespoke. I love that word. What does it mean again? Bespoke? Bespoke. Uh, it's when an object bespeaks. It right. betalks. It no, wait. It be teaches us something about ourselves. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. I think I have my poll quote. And then she, but then she calls out later. She's like, he doesn't to her like ex husband. She's yeah, like, yeah. he doesn't. I knew you were a phony, a style editor. He doesn't even know what bespoke means. Doesn't even know what bespoke no. the fuck, dude. You better be able to explain yourself. Okay, well, it's not a short explanation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. that's the other thing. This the, the first two movies are PG, and this one is like hard R. Like, they were cursing, swearing up left and right. Oh, yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was great. Well, that, though, in like the, the odd, like, it, like, and Fletch always just alludes to sex, and it's like, but in this one, there's like an actual sex scene. Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, in the second one, when he, for some reason, when he gets together with, Farnsworth's daughter, who's like a real estate agent or something like that relationship is not believable whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. I don't know what's going on there. And, and again, this one, why did, why did, uh, and I guess that's the thing. How, like, when did Angela decide to set Fletch up or if she did, like, was she faking it the whole time? This is one of those movies where you always like, you know, you complain about older TV show, like Seinfeld or something where you're like, if they had cell phones, this one yeah. fixed everything. Where yeah. it's like, if they just got all these characters into one room together, they could have figured this whole thing out <laughs> right. in like five minutes. Yeah. Because <clears throat> everybody plays a hand in the story somehow. Right, right. So yeah, so the, the Countess shows up in the townhouse and then because of that, Angela shows up. And I love the fact that the two of them have been bitching about each other behind their backs the whole movie. And when they show up, they're just super lovey hugging. Yeah, and everything. oh, that was great. Yeah, when she's and like, oh, the they like hug and they're like so <laughs> happy to see each and this being half Italian, this this warmed my heart. The very next scene, all you see is this huge charcuterie board with meats and cheeses and tomatoes. And I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah. No, this is Italians. This is what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, and they, uh, she's like, well, we're going to cook dinner for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the way that Fletch gets the paintings from Haran's boat, it's funny because he goes to the yacht club and he sneaks in and everybody there is just pure white and <laughs> The cop makes a comment about that at the end. He's like, okay, well, you are the only one that could have snuck into here and not made it, not raised an eyebrow. 
Yeah, yeah. And then he he gets a bunch of fireworks and sets them off to disguise one of the fireworks blowing up the the window to get into the boat. But then he has to use some more fireworks to distract the security guard, the security company. He, he's putting nine, seven to nine priceless paintings into a freaking robo <laughs> and rowing. <them> away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my God. I can barely get in a row. Well, just the fact that the guy stored those on the boat. It's like that yeah. boat sank. It's like, yeah. Oof. And not even that, just like the salty air. <laughs> True. Yeah. 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 Oh, and the, the other bit, cause he rents an Audi. He eventually realizes there's a tracker in it from the rental car company. And that's how the cops keep finding him. And so he looks, he searches the whole car for it and then he finds it in the glove box. And that to me, I don't know if it's, if it was in the original Fletch book, Probably not because they probably they didn't have GPS trackers. And no, there's no way. Yeah, but in one of the police squad episodes, they the cops get the car from the criminal and they're trying to find the drugs in it or whatever. And yeah. there's this whole montage of them ripping it apart panel by panel and taking the car. And like by the end of the scene, it's all in like a bazillion parts on the floor of the garage. And like, oh, we haven't found anything yet. And then like one guy opens the glove box, like, hey, chief, I found them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that was like a nod to that. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this one? I mean, severely underused Picardo on this. Mind, I know. But... I saw his name in the opening credits and I'm like. So did I. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm like, he, he's never in things. Like, I can't wait to see him. He shows up and he's playing some Italian guy. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I can't think of anything now. All right. What do you rate it? I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I, I'd give it a seven. Okay. Yeah. Because I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. And. Like I said, to me, it's just like completely has nothing to do with Fletch movies. So it's like <laughs> just holding it up on its own merits. So, yeah, I, again, I watched, this is the second time I've watched it in like two weeks and I was laughing out loud again today. Yeah. And even though it really is understated and it's not, it, it's not, it really is not as much of a comedy as the first one. Yeah. I think I laugh more at it or something. I don't know. I feel really good about it. So I'm giving it a nine. Oh, wow. It's done really well. Like I, I, I'm, and that's sort of, I mean, it's probably more of an eight, but I'm giving it a nine because I want them to make more, (laughs) but they're not gonna. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was, yeah. Cause for for me, that was, I, here's the thing. I could come, I think I could come up to eight on the first movie. Yeah. Just because I think it is a little more iconic, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that the lines are the, the some of the lines are more quotable in the first movie for sure. Like, I agree with you. It's probably fun. This one's probably funnier, mm-hmm. but I don't like versus like standing the test of time. Like I don't know if this is going to be talked about in you know five probably ten not, years versus nobody freaking what? saw it. It's probably not going to be talked about because nobody saw it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, like if people had saw it, it's like yeah. It versus like, you know, Fletch is still going to be talked about the first one for, you know, right. probably decades. Oh, here's the other thing I wanted to bring up is the Fletch theme, the musical theme. Oh, you, you did mention this to me. You messaged me this. Yeah. The first two movies, or at least the first one, I forget about the second one. The first movie, they play this theme, which is very reminiscent of the Axel F theme from yep, yep. Beverly Hills Cop. And they play it constantly. It's like, it's either you're hearing some variation on that theme or you're not hearing any music at all. And it was like, okay, Oh, I love this. And it was like, by the middle of the movie, I'm like, okay, I still like it, but it's, there's a lot, it's a lot of this. Like I keep hearing it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and then in the third movie, they don't have it at all, except right when, when uh, Owen breaks in to steal the the Oxycontin from the fit from under the fish tank, apparently there's, there's a little bit of of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It was, it's, I mean, it's a good little, little, like sort of 
Yeah, it, it's exactly like in Beverly Hills Cop when it's like whenever he's just doing something like without any sort of dialogue, he's sneaking in yeah. and it's just bump, he's doing his thing. And it's it's kind of funny because right now because because the actual Foley theme is running through my head, I cannot think of the Fletch theme. It's like I, I, same, literally. Actually, yeah. trying to think of the Airwolf theme, and all you can think of is Night Rider. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so IMDb gives it a six point five out of ten. What do you think about Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomato. I think probably I'm gonna say eighty one. Yeah, eighty five. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll be. I'm down with you. Uh, I if they want to make more, I'm for it. Like, yeah. I don't think it was you know a waste of time or money or anything. No, I unfortunately it's probably too expensive to. Well, I don't know. I think it would do well if they just went to streaming. But this might be one of those. This might be one of those series where it's like, again, because it's like you could just tell to to put in Marsha Gay Harden in, in like a character like that. She probably just had a blast in doing. Oh it. yeah. So it's like I, I'm I'm like these people to them. It's not a paycheck movie. It's something they probably all love doing. It's like they get to do a comedy. They get to do these weird characters and. And John Hamm probably loves the whole Fletch thing and being Fletch. So it's like they probably could make another one. It's just it's all gonna come out to see how much this was streamed by the end of the end of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're not yeah. If they go on the box office, it's not gonna because if you if you look at the number of unique streams it gets, and maybe you say, okay, thirty-three percent of those people are gonna go see it in theater, it's like, is that enough to justify the cost? Right. Yeah, I don't know how they like Netflix or HBO or any of them decides what shows or movies are worthwhile because they're just not getting direct money. Clearly yeah. they, they can tell what Game of Thrones is doing, but everything else is just like, okay, we got this many views. What does that mean? Um, I don't know. You know, does that turn into so many new subscribers or what? But the, you know, the weird thing about, so for Netflix is, uh, and you can cut all this stuff when and it doesn't have to go on the podcast. The Netflix thing is weird because it's it, like Netflix will take out loans to make their movies. Yeah. And then they secure their their loans on like their back catalog of things that they've made. Like because uh, anytime they make work? a movie, it's it's now an asset and it's an asset that's worth a value. Yeah. So it's like you 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 take the licensing rights for that and you put that up as like almost like insurance against a future loan. Oh, and so it's like and they're just all they're just constantly because I I bet you if you look at it, it's like Netflix probably has like huge loans that they're just constantly paying down. Cause it's like, what do they have? They have like uh 150 million subscribers that are paying like 15 bucks a pop. Right. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. What is that? That's uh $2.2 billion a month. It's at least $200. At least $200. They got 250. <laughs> 250 on them. 250. Okay. So what, how would we do this differently? Uh, personally, I think for the second movie, just man, just go from one of the other books, you know? That's that's easy. You don't have to come up with a story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just yeah, based on the books. I mean, they're obviously they they made what you said seven books or whatever. Uh, yeah, something like that. I can't. I couldn't get a. And this is one of those like when I was looking for them. This is back before eBooks and everything. Even when Amazon was around, you couldn't find the Fletch books anywhere. And this was like the old Remo Williams books, you know, because they they made like 150 Remo Williams books. There's a ton of those, right? Jeez. But you can't find them anywhere because they were such low print volumes or something and they don't do reprints or whatever. So I've only been able to find like one Remo Williams book and one Fletch book. I've read one of each. Now I did a search to, I think today or yesterday, I was like, okay, I can get, I think I can get all of the Fletch books on 
on Kindle. Yeah, I mean that's the nice thing about digital is that like the, yeah. you know they don't have to like print them, so it's. But but I looked again for Rima Williams, and they're like, you can't get the original ones on Kindle now. Hmm. It's weird. I don't know what I don't know what the hell's going on. How much? How much do you think? Uh, I just looked it up. How much do you think Netflix has in debt? Oh, geez. See, they're probably they're probably working on a dozen or more movies and shows at a time, and they're probably leveraged out to several hundred million per. I mean, it's got to be a billion dollars. It's sixteen billion dollars. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I just read in this article from the New York Times they're going to finally stop just taking out debt to make their stuff. Wow. But it's yeah. They, for a decade, they basically have built up to like a sixteen billion dollars worth of debt. It's like okay, let's start paying that down. Yeah, because I'm sure the like the monthly payment on that's probably only like you know a couple hundred million or something. And it's right. like they're making several billion dollars each month on the. Right. Yeah. After a certain number, you just can't. You just can't understand. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. human mind ceases to be able to comprehend. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So I would just say, I don't know. The, I think the first and third movies are great. I don't think there's anything to be improved. yeah i think the second one just needs to be built off a book yeah. to be honest if they made the the third movie the second movie with chevy chase it would have been fine i mean everything works yeah. it's like it's, it's totally. painting it's stolen painting it's not like it's anything that's yeah. inherent it's there is some high-tech things they use in the movie but it's like you could you could write all that out and around that yeah yeah if they had made it in 89 or 92 or whenever the second one exactly was, yeah no there's nothing in there that, other than like, like you said like the gps area. tracker or something yeah. but that could that could be almost anything he could have just right. you know lost he, he could have faked getting on a bus and the tail followed him or something like, well and that's the thing is they probably changed all that stuff to make it fit 2022 anyway so yeah I yeah know what's in the original book yeah definitely i mean just God, you got a good successful first one just go from one to the next to the series, you know? Well, that was the, the thing. They, they, they could have done some good stuff with uh, Chevy Chase in the, the plot of the third one with him and characters and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, going to going to the art dealer is some absurd character. Some right. like, did you ever, Have you ever seen when Dane DeVito dressed up as, as, uh, in Always Sunny as like an art? Uh, oh, yeah, with the wig. <laughs> he, he, yeah, yeah, he's like Ergo Blogarian or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. that, that could have been something that Chevy Chase did as like an art dealership kind of thing. And this goes back to the James Bond thing. Like you could have had Chevy Chase do five or six of these and then switch over to somebody else to do yeah, another couple, yeah. you know? You know what's funny is you know who did, uh, there was the, I think I told you about this, there was that movie, uh, A Stupid and Futile Gesture. Oh yeah, the, what's his name? Kenny the, something? The Doug Kenny movie. Well, Doug oh, Kenny, the guy yeah, who started, yeah, yeah, the yep. guy who started uh, National Lampoon. Yep. Like, in the movie, Chevy Chase is played by Joel McHale. Yeah. And so, and I was like, and I was like, he did, actually did a pretty good job of it. Yeah. So, I mean, he could have been like a Fletch. Oh, he could totally be Fletch. Yeah. He's got that same sort of like sense of humor. Right. Like He's sarcastic, like, biting sense of humor. Laid back, sarcastic, and... Yeah, e- easily uh, bluffing. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. All right, uh, anything else on Fletch? Nope. Well, thank you for listening. For more podcasts like this, check out everything over at neozaz.com. You can find us at Sequel Harder on Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. Stay tuned and make sure to give us five stars on Lyft.